Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist Podcast. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host. And today I am talking again with Kirsty Miles. Kirsty is a team lead here at PDT, and she really helps me with a lot of these podcasts, actually. I don't know if you're a co-host or a guest anymore, Kirsty. It really speaks of how integral you are at PDT and all that you do here. Really, Kirsty, is the fact that I do so many of these with you because we work together all the time and we are the two who are really running this joint. And so because of that, this is a working therapist podcast and we're talking about stuff that affects us on a daily basis and that we work with and deal with on a daily basis in real time. And so because of that, since Kirsty is part of our real time daily stuff and she's integral to what we do, she is just the automatic person that keeps, on the hook. Ca- that keeps <laughs> coming coming with me on all this, on this adventure. So here here we go. <laughs> so, um, Kirstie's with us today. Hey, Kirstie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. So today we are talking about medical coding and billing, and we work on this constantly at PDT because we want to stay current on coding practices, billing guidelines. We renegotiate insurance contracts all the time. We stay current with what's happening with Medicaid, TRICARE, other private insurances, all the private insurances, really. And so some of our responsibilities are to maintain current knowledge and information of what's happening with all that so that we can manage this practice. But in doing that, a real issue that's been coming up is coding because we find that therapists really haven't gotten a lot of training when it comes to coding. And that's something that I think in terms of the graduate programs, it's not taught. And I think in a lot of practices or places to work, it's just not taught coding, how to accurately code and bill for your services that you do. Definitely. And I think in interviewing therapists coming right out of graduate school, ready for their first job, a lot of the feedback has been that their clinical supervisor didn't allow them to do the billing. And that's such a disservice. So as a clinical supervisor, really, if you think of yourself as you are setting this therapist up to work in your profession and go out in the world and provide therapy services, it's really your job to teach them how to do it right. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't code what you did appropriately, then you can't document what you did appropriately. And then that's a problem. Then what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you doing? We say this all the time at PDT. In the moment, you have to do what's appropriate for that child within your scope of practice, of course. So in real time, if you've got a child they're treating and you're treating a child there, you have to do what you need to do for that child for that session that day. Then you go and you document what you did, and then you have to code it appropriately because if you don't, it's not accurate, and we have to be accurate. It doesn't match. You have to be accurate for lots of reasons. One, it's kind of in your code of ethics that you accurately document, so that's a thing. (laughs) And then two, how can you communicate to the insurance company or to the referring physician or teacher that is involved in this child's continuum of care? How can you communicate to them what you really did with the child if you haven't documented on everything that you did? You can't do it. In addition to that, if you don't accurately document, then you're also setting yourself up because what if you've given this parent instruction on a particular exercise or particular activity or something and they do it differently the way that you instructed them and some type of, God forbid, harm comes to the child. I don't know what it would be, but, you know, just worst case scenario and you haven't documented it, then you've left yourself wide open for a real problem. 
Right. So coding really comes down to accurately understanding why you're doing what you're doing to best help this child and also accurately documenting. And so since we work with therapists all the time about why you're doing what you're doing and help working on the quality of therapy and, okay, why are you working on this? Let's talk about your goals. What is the root of the problem for this kiddo? How are we going to help them get from point A to point B? Then what we've found we've had to do a lot of in terms of myself with Kirstie teaching is how to accurately document that so it meets the insurance guidelines and standards, Medicaid standards for documentation, and then how do you code it following the coding rules. So since this is such a hole that we found over and over and over again, and we spend a lot of time on this, we thought, hey, this is a great podcast, so let's do that. So Kirstie really is the one who, honestly, between the two of us, I am the talker, yeah, 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 but Kirstie's really the one who understands this and really has helped me understand this. So let's just start there, Kirstie. So all speech therapy codes are event codes. It's an event. Like you- it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, you did it or you didn't, and we don't have that many codes. No. So they're all related to speech, language. Well, there's four different evaluation codes, but then if you get into therapy, there's speech and language therapy, oral rehab, feeding, and all calm, just those areas. And either you did it or you didn't. Now, there's a little bit of tweaks and fine-tuning it when it comes to all calm, but I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that today. But really, speech are event codes. So there's two types of codes in this world. And when I talk about codes, I'm talking about CPT codes. Those are treatment codes. CPT codes are treatment codes. And so there are event codes, and then there's timed codes. All of the speech codes are event codes, meaning if you did it, then you code it that you did it. So for example, in a therapy session with a child, if I'm a speech therapist, if I'm doing speech and language therapy for 30 minutes, I'm going to code it a 92507. But if I also work with a child's Allcom device at the same time that I'm doing their language therapy, because maybe I'm working on getting them to help build a sentence or working on verbs or pronouns or whatever it is I'm working on with that child, and I'm using the device to do that, I'm going to build the language code. And I'm also going to code an augmentative communication code because I'm doing both in the same time, but it's not a time thing. So it doesn't matter if I did it for eight hours or 30 minutes, I'm going to code it one code. Right. Now for pretty cut and dry. (laughs) There's no gray area in that. It's pretty easy. But for PTs and OTs, it can get a little bit different because there's time codes and there's event codes. And there's two different categories of billing rules. Mm -hmm. For the time codes. Correct. So if we go to the PTs and OTs and their event codes, evaluation codes are event codes for PTs and OTs, just like speech and the reavals. And effective January 1st of this year was our event codes, our evaluation codes got broken down into three separate eval codes by complexity. So we have mild, moderate, and high complexity evaluations, and then we have a reevaluation code. So we really now have four eval per se, eval codes for OT and for PT. So there's different rules and guidelines that you would need to have in each of the categories of complexity. And that's probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I was, that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. It is. So stay tuned for that, people. But those eval codes are event codes and re-eval codes are event codes. Yes. Those are the main ones that come up for us as event codes. It's important to know that when you are coding things, you need to know if the CPT code is an event code or a timed code. And so that's each therapist's responsibility to know if, which is what. In our system, we've got them labeled as such. Most EMR systems probably have some kind of indication as to if they are an event or a time code, but that's important for the therapist to know, is this an event code or a time code? Because the rules change as each one. So now if we go to the time code for PTs and OTs, this is where things can be confusing. So the first thing that you need to know about is that there are two different categories. So you have your insurances, and some of this is going to be dictated by insurance. They're either going to follow the Medicaid rules for billing, 
following, or they're going to follow the AMA, the American Medical Association. So now you have different categories and two different bills. Same codes, yes. different ways to use them. And there's only very subtle variations in the differences in how to bill using these two ways. So again, there's a lot of confusion out there about using the different ways. So we have children that we see that Medicaid is their primary insurance. So we'll look at that first. For children that have Medicaid as their insurance, Medicaid follows the eight-minute rule which means the first question you ask yourself when you are working with a patient with Medicaid as their insurance is how long was I with this patient face-to-face? That's the first question. And you would do your total time face-to-face with the patient. So if they started their session at 8 a.m. and they were with you until 8.45, you were with the patient for 45 minutes. 45 minutes following the Medicaid guidelines is three units because they have a chart. They follow the eight-minute rule. Zero to 22 minutes is one unit. 23 minutes to 37 minutes is two units. 38 minutes to (laughs) 52 minutes is three units. And Once you hit 53 minutes, you can bill out four units. So if you see a patient face-to-face for 45 minutes, the maximum number of units you can get, no matter how you do it or what unit you pick or what code you use, is three. There is no other way to get four units out of whatever codes you're billing. If you're just billing therapy time codes. Yes. Each unit is 15 minutes. So when we say the eight-minute rule for Medicaid, only the last unit can be eight minutes. Mm -hmm. So you have to do a full 15 minutes of one code, a full 15 minutes of another code, the final code or an additional unit of a code already used. That final code can be eight minutes, but you can't have eight minutes of one code, eight minutes of another code, eight minutes of a third code. They have to be 15 minutes of one code, 15 minutes of a second code, eight minutes of a third code. So only the final unit can be eight minutes. Exactly. And that is why you go with face-to-face time. And that is why with a Medicaid patient, you would always ask yourself, how long was I face-to-face? That's how you get the number of units that you can bill out in the session. So the next question you would ask yourself, because this is no different no matter what patient you're treating, because the quality of care is still going to be the same, then you say, what did I do with this patient? And you then break it down into what you did based on the codes that you would use. And it's your job as a clinician to then categorize your units properly. So it's not okay to just say, oh gosh, well, I just used 97110, like therapeutic exercise for every child, because that's not accurate. Because not every child just needs that. My hope would be that you wouldn't only just build that because there's probably other things that need to be done. <laughs> you know, right. if you're saying, I'm not really sure I just build 97110, well, you can't just not know. You have to educate yourself and you have to know. So you have to accurately put down what you did and then code it appropriately. Correct. And then the one other difference with a patient with Medicaid is, let's say you can add units together. So this is the major difference when you compare Medicaid billing to AMA billing. If you did something for five minutes, that's not enough to bill a full unit of therapy. But if you did something for five minutes and another code for five minutes, if you add both those codes together, you get 10 minutes. So you can then bill because you now have eight minutes of a final code and you would pick the code that is more appropriately reflecting what you did in the session. 
So now, even though you had maybe four codes that you wanted to use, but you were only with that patient for a total of 40 minutes, you were only with that patient for 40 minutes because you had 15 minutes of one code, 15 minutes of another code, five minutes of one code and five minutes of another code. Well, you can't use the five minute codes, but you can add them together and get 10 minutes for a total of 40 minutes of face-to-face time. And now you have to pick of the two five minute codes, which one is more appropriately reflecting what you did in the session. And now you can bill out your three units. That's called using remainders. So sometimes you'll hear where people say, well, you can't use remainders and you can't for AMA. And we're going to go there in just a second. But for Medicaid, you can. So you would have to either pick like they're both the same exact time. Otherwise, if you spent six minutes of one and four minutes of another, you would use the code that you did six minutes of. And the only person that is going to know that is the clinician because they are the one that did it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then they are the one that needs to code it that way and they need to document it so it accurately reflects what they have just billed. So let's give an example now of a session where you might would bill different codes or code out different things based on what you're doing. Sure. I'm going to give a PT example just because I'm a PT and so that's easy for me. We can, <laughs> we, we can work with that. Let's say I have a little baby come in to therapy and they have torticollis. And first, I'm going to do some therapeutic activities, 97530, because I'm kind of getting a, hey, what worked with our homework last week? How did we do with it? Let me check the range of motion. So I'm getting them to do some active rotation and I'm having them track a toy. I might be doing some therapeutic activities with that because I'm not really doing any stretching or anything. I'm doing an activity. I'm having them do a, a developmentally appropriate activity, tracking in supine. And then, so I got my framework. I have my baseline now from the beginning of the session. Now I'm going to jump in and I'm going to do some suboccipital release because, you know, they're still a little bit tight and they've tolerated that. And so I'm actually doing some massage techniques and some manual therapy, but they don't really tolerate that much of that. So I'm only doing about five minutes. I can't get more than that. And I'm taking a little bit of break in between and doing some more therapeutic activity. So I'm jumping back and forth between the two. This is not like a, I can put a stopwatch on it and I'm doing this for 15 minutes and then I'm doing this for five and then I'm doing this for 10 because we're working with kids. I mean, if you think that's how this is going to work, you're in the wrong situation. Exactly. Because <laughs> they're going to take your stopwatch and eat throw it, it at you. <laughs> yeah, eat it or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we can't forget of this. We're therapists. We're here to help these kiddos. So we're not sitting there with a stopwatch, nor do we advocate doing that. But but we are cognizant of what we're doing and we're paying attention and we're purposeful. I think the key word here is you're purposeful in the activities you're doing for this child because you know where you want this child to go and what you need to do to help them. So now I'm going to jump in and I'm going to do a 97110. I'm going to do some range of motion. I'm going to do some active range of motion. I'm going to do some passive range of motion. I'm showing mom how to hold. I'm doing some positioning holds to get some increased range of motion. And then I'm going to jump back and do some therapeutic activities because now I just got this child stretched out. I just did some range of motion. Now I want to jump in and do some therapeutic activities again with having them track an object because now I want them to actively move in what I just stretched them to. So now I'm jumping back to a 97530. And then maybe at the end, I'm like, oh, the goal, ultimately, I want to work on rolling. That's another functional activity. But now I'm going to jump in and do some facilitation. So now I'm going to be taking their hip across midline. I'm facilitating some trunk rotation, getting them to look in that direction, ultimately to get them to roll. So now I'm doing a 97112. But eh, he's starting to get really fussy. And I'm about at 40 minutes in. And I've only done some 97112 for about five minutes. 
So now I've got a 97530 for about 15 minutes. I've got a 97110 for about 15 minutes. I've got five minutes of my massage code. 97140. There you go. And I've got about five minutes of my 97112. So I've got 40 minutes total of face-to-face time and I've written down their home program and I'm sending them out the door. So now I go back to my billing and I've just documented everything I just laid out in my session. I wrote it all down and I've got 15 minutes of one code, 15 minutes another code. And then, I mean, for our intents and purposes, let's say it's not five and five. Let's Mm -hmm. say it's six and four, just so you can see that there's a one's higher than the other. I'm going to choose the six minute code. So let's say I did 97112 for longer than I did the massage and the suboccipital release. I'm going to choose the 97112 code for the 10 minutes. And I have three units filled out in a 40 minute session. Done. There you go. That makes... And that's very typical torticola session for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes... Ending right on about 40 minutes because I don't really know what baby's going to last an hour. Not many. <laughs> <laughs> but then also what that does is, so it really focuses back on not the coding and the billing. It focuses on what are you doing to help this little person? And there's a definite purpose in all of your activities, like I said earlier, and you're selective of what you do and how you do it and when you do it and you're paying attention to the patient and what they need. So you're also in real time because say they weren't fussy that day and say they did tolerate whatever it was you did for six minutes, they tolerated it for 10, then that would change what the patient's doing. So you're cognizant and paying attention for what that child needs in the session in real time and you're modifying adapting as you're going and then really what you're giving to the family is your home program I can just envision what you're giving to the family to do because it's just very clear-cut and very specific and accurate so really the point I'm trying to get across by saying all that is coding and billing is not some evil or something to be afraid of or something to think, oh gosh, well, you know, it's just a way to make more money or something. That's not what any of it is. It's all about what are you doing and why are you doing it? What does this child need? Why are they here? Which really goes back to the medical, why do they need skilled intervention? Because you have to tell that to the preferring physician, to the insurance company, to the family, all every session. Why do they need skilled intervention and what are they going to get from this skilled intervention? So it makes therapy effective and it makes it purposeful and functional and It's why they're coming to you. They're coming to you for your knowledge. Yeah. And there's a beginning and an end because the only person that can do what Kirsty just said was a physical therapist. Speech therapists don't do that. OTs don't do that. PTs do that. And so that's what PTs do. So if you are not doing that, then what's the purpose? There isn't one. So you have to constantly think, why am I doing what I'm doing? And is what I'm doing the best for this patient to get them to not need me anymore? And I think sometimes you'll hear where parents will say, well, gosh, my child's been in therapy for years and years and they've had the same goals and they're not getting any better. Well, it's because the therapist isn't asking, why am I doing what am I doing? Or they don't really know. Maybe the therapist doesn't know where they want that child to go. Well, if you're the therapist, you don't know where that child needs to go. It's your job to figure that out. So you need to ask somebody. So it all goes back to this coding as we transition and then move over to what the AMA guidelines. It goes back to why are we doing what we're doing? And then understanding that's the intervention. Why you're doing what you're doing is the part in your daily note where you're writing the interventions, what you did. And then the result should be what the child did. Through your interventions and through what you did with the child, then the child was able to do this as related to the target area for the goals and a certain percentage, however you have your goal written. Right. So let's talk about the differences with AMA billing. So now with Medicaid billing, we asked ourselves, how long was I with this patient face-to-face? That was your first question. That's where you... First question. First question. That's where you yeah. stop. 
when you're using the American Medical Association billing rules, every insurance is going to be different. So with us, we ask our insurance companies when we're doing our contracts, setting up contracts. Thank Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) When we're setting up our contracts, we're asking them what rules they follow. So we know as a practice and that we follow those rules because you have to. So the question to ask is, does this insurance company follow the AMA coding guidelines or the Medicaid coding guidelines? And then if you know, you follow the rules accordingly. Right. And for most private insurance companies, I would say most, but it's always the practice's responsibility to check Mm -hmm. with each insurance that they bill, follow AMA. And so when you're billing a patient that has private insurance and that you are following the AMA guidelines, the first question now is not how long was I face-to-face with this patient, it's what did I do? So it's a little bit different. So your mindset has to shift and change a little bit because as therapists, we have to be dynamic. Again, if you're not dynamic, you're in the wrong situation. That is so key what you said, Kirsty. In fact, it's really just brilliant because in each session, being dynamic, each child that comes through the door, you have to be dynamic and in the moment. Every single minute of the day. Yes. So (laughs) even though you plan to do Play-Doh or you plan to do the swing or you plan to do whatever, if that's not what that child needs that day, then you have to change. They just threw it at you. So put it away and do something else. Exactly. I mean, yeah, like (laughs) if the speech room isn't working today, so let's go down to the PT gym and get the swing out. That's what you do. Way more fun anyway. It is more fun. I did it this morning. I was like, what? Do we have to be in this room? Nobody's in that room. Let's go in there and get a swing out. And it was a ton of fun. (laughs) Yes. So your first question is now, what did I do? So we're going to get to the times and we're going to split that out. But I think it's going to be more valuable to give examples now because this is a little bit of a harder concept to grasp. Medicaid, pretty straightforward. Face-to-face time now divided out. And they have that little chart. Yep. And they got a chart. So I mean, you've got four options. You didn't do anything. I mean, very few of our Medicaid patients are going to be with us for over an hour. So we're not even scheduling in an hour block because it's not really appropriate for our, our population. So as far as that goes with the AMA, you ask yourself, what did I do in this session? So let's just start with an example. Makes it easier. Yes. And I'm going to shift and I'm not an OT, but I'm going to give some OT kind of interventions. And I'm basing this on just some goals that I've seen some of our OTs doing. And so we've got some hand strengthening goals. We've got some handwriting goals. We've got some fasteners and buttoning goals. So we've got some ADL goals. So now in a therapy session, the child's going to come in and they have some of the stuff we're doing is visual motor. So I need to get their body warmed up and revved up and I'm going to do an obstacle course. And let's say I do that for about eight minutes because I just need to get them warmed up not the full session. This is just some visual motor stuff, some following directions, get their body warmed up. Okay, now I'm going to take and put them on a therapy ball. So feet are flat on the floor. They're sitting on the therapy ball. They got a weak core. I need to get them up because they're like kind of down low. I need to rev them up a little bit. I'm going to have them bouncing. So a little lower responder. So you're trying to get them so they're a little bit up higher, get more of an active alert state. Yep. So now I'm working on some bouncing on the ball. I've got them doing some hand putty. So I'm working on some hand strengthening. I put some beads in there. I've got 10 beads in there. I've got a red cup on the left side of the child. I've got a blue cup on the right side of the child. And now I am having them bounce on the ball, stop, pick the beads out, rotate across midline, put that in the blue cup. Okay, now bounce for me a couple of times, pick some beads out of the putty, rotate across midline, put that in the red cup. So now I'm doing 
a lot of different stuff right now. I'm doing a cross midline and I'm saying, okay, yeah, I'm cueing you. Look in the mirror, sit up tall. Yeah, you're starting to slouch. You got that pelvic tilt going on. I need you to sit up, bouncing. So now for 20 minutes, I have this patient sitting, bouncing on the ball. I've got them crossing midline. I've got them doing the hand strengthening activity. So I've got a 97110 happening. I'm cueing them because they keep slumping into this posture. So I'm having to like cue their lumbar spine to sit up nice and straight, cue them to cross midline. So I'm doing some neuromuscular re-ed I got going on here, some 97112. So for 20 minutes, so for 10 minutes, I've got a 97112 happening. And for 10 minutes, because I'm going to even this out, this is like I'm doing 50-50. So now I've got some 97110 happening with the strengthening and the hand putty, and I've got some 97112 happening. So now, so far, I'm up to 28 minutes with this patient, because I've also done a warm-up of some 97530. So I'm 28 minutes with this patient. And then now I'm going to take them off the ball. I need to work on some buttoning. And I'm doing the ADL code because I'm working on some buttoning on a fastener board. Now it's winter time, and now they've got to put on their sweater and they're going to button it up themselves. And so now I want them to do that. So we spend about five minutes with the buttoning board. And now I want them to put on their sweater and button it up themselves. And so you spent five minutes on the buttoning? Eight minutes. Eight minutes total. I got five minutes on the buttoning board and then working on them, putting it on their sweater, buttoning it up. They needed some verbal cueing. So I've got eight minutes on the buttoning. So an ADL code now that I just threw in there. So really 28 plus another eight minutes. I've got 36 minutes. Yes. So 36 minutes Mm -hmm. of what I did in that session, I've got four units Mm -hmm. happening. And that's an extreme case because I don't think a 36-minute session with a child. So I took the times that I did so there was clarity, but maybe you did 10 minutes of the obstacle course and 10 minutes of the buttoning. There's some wiggle room in there, but that was an extreme case with numbers and still four units in 36 minutes, all justified, documented, what you did in the session and very appropriate then your home exercise activity for the family is either do the buttoning at home or to do this hand strength and maybe you're giving them some putty to take home, but it's very clear because your session was really clear. So the carryover to the home is super clear. So this week I want you to work on picking these beads out of this putty and here's some putty to take home. Or I want you to work on buttoning at home with the jackets this wintertime, like you said. Those two activities are easy just to carry over straight away to home or maybe you've got another activity for buttoning or strengthening. But either way, it's very clear what you did. If the parents sit there observing, they understand they saw it, they modeled exactly what you did so they know exactly what to take over and carry to home. Very clear, very purposeful, very specific. Because our home programs are all have to follow the CAN model. That's Kirsty's and my model clear, achievable, and noteworthy. Meaning if their parent was able to do it at home, they can come back next week and tell you about it. Right. So in that session, do you see how the coding though and how you code that is very clear because you're focusing on what you did and then it sets the parent up for what they have to do at home and then it sets you really up for your next session. And it doesn't sell you short. Your skill set is something that you develop as a clinician. And the quicker you get to that point as a clinician, you have a better understanding. So you understand why you're doing what you're doing. You understand why that child needs what they need. And you really get to the impairment level and what it is that you're treating so that ultimately they can reach their goals. Yeah, because this child's got some issues with attending and being up and able to stay focused and engaged in the activity. You had to do what you did just to get their state level to a point where they can attend and focus and want to work because otherwise a lot of their probably reduced strength and the reason you're doing the strengthening and the crossing midline and a lot of the reasons they can't do all that is because they probably are under responders and you had to do what you had to do to get them up to an active alert level. So all of that is perfectly appropriate, justified, and that's why they're there. 
The one major difference with AMA, in addition to, is you can't add codes. So there is no remainders happening. You have to do eight minutes of a code or you can't use it. You can't bill it. We said it earlier this week, look for AMA. If you didn't do eight minutes of something, don't bill it. Don't put it down. So as a therapist, then you really have to think, okay, this is what it is for eight minutes, but is it also appropriate to be this? And if so, why is it appropriate to be under this code? So there has to be a rationale, reasoning, and a logic for why you're doing what you're doing. So the AMA gives you the ability to code out very specifically more things in one session because you can overlap things and code them appropriately, but it's got to be eight minutes of it. If it's not eight minutes, don't write it down. Basically, if it wasn't eight minutes per the AMA guidelines, it wasn't enough to help somebody. If it wasn't eight minutes, so don't write it down. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Basically. But for Medicaid, it all goes by the time. And Kirstie's really the one who's helped me understand this. Her clarity with this is amazing. So she's really the one who's helped me understand this. And I'm coming along nicely. There's really a lot of muck. <laughs> like you have to read through a lot of muck to like, I didn't get to that point overnight. Like I had to read and read and read and really understand it to be able to explain it to somebody else. You're selling yourself a little bit short, Kiersey, because you also have to be very purposeful in understanding what you're doing and why you're doing the session. So does everybody coming out of school come out with that clarity? No, that's years of years of practice and experience and really working at your craft to get to the level where Kiersey is. But when you're coming out of school, what you can do is think, okay, why is this child coming to me? Focus on that question. Why are they here? And then where do I want them to go? What am I going to do? So if you focus on that, that will help you with how you're going to code it, how you're going to document it, what you're going to do. And then if you keep asking yourself those questions over and over and over and over again, session after session after session, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of sessions, where then you'll get to that level where Kirstie just was and she can rattle that off off the top of her head. But <laughs> you're not coming out of school like that. You really have to be committed to wanting to understand it. You're in a service industry. You're helping these kids. You got to really want to help these people, which means you got to give them some of you because you are the service and what you know is the service. And that's awesome. But you got to give them some of you all day long, which means you got to figure out what do they need me to do? Because basically all day long, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I help you? Which means how do I need to shift what I'm doing based on what I know to best help you? So why am I doing what I'm doing? What do you need me to do to help you get there? When you're new and you're out of school and maybe this is your first job, if you're not tired by Friday, you're not doing it right. I'm tired on Friday. I'm exhausted. You should, be, <laughs> you should be so tired come Friday because you are having to think everything you do, every single yes. thing you do, you're having to think, why am I doing what I'm doing? So you are not on automatic pilot. Nothing you do is on automatic pilot. <laughs> no, no, nothing. You're thinking all day and why am I doing okay. what I'm doing? And then you have these new things coming at you that you didn't get the difference in school about Medicaid and AMA being different. So this is like, wait, what? this is new information to me. Well, it's going to take practice and it's going to take time and it's going to take you doing it over and over and over and being committed to learning how to do it, to do it right and to do it well. So if you're not tired by Friday, because we don't have, yeah, because we don't have the option of not following the rules. So we have to follow the rules. We have to know the rules. And then we also don't have the option of not doing what this patient needs for us to do within our scope of practice. So we have to do that within our scope of practice. So you have to know what your scope of practice is, understand what it is that you do, and then you have to figure out how to best apply it to that child and what they need. And then how well that happens comes with time and practice and experience. You have to just do it. So the question is, why are you doing what you're doing? And then be specific about what you're doing to get to why you're doing it to help the child get better. That's really the bottom line, right? And give yourself time to be committed to learn it because 
It's not going to happen overnight. So we can put that chart in our show notes and you can check our show notes out at the workingtherapist.com website. You can also see all of the other podcasts we've done and check those out there. We're also, you can go to iTunes and Stitcher and check the podcast out there as well. We've got all kinds of topics for PTOT speech and other Yes, lots of other because Kirsten and I are working every day, all day in this field, in this industry, and lots of stuff comes up. So we talk about it because we really are doing it all day, every day. So thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Kirsty. I appreciate all your insight and knowledge. It's been awesome. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 